This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Shut up and sit down. Penguins, Panthers, Wednesday night. That's the next game for the Pens. They get set to try to put behind them a rough road trip over the weekend. Joining me right now to talk about it, Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Listen to him during intermissions as well as post-game Pens Live Weekly on Saturdays as well. We are brought to you as always for our weekly hockey podcast with Mets by Gerger Construction. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimator to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Not too soon to start planning your dream deck. We build decks year-round, and we're now booking into spring and summer 2024. Take advantage of their current winter special, $1,000 off your new deck if it's installed by March 1st of this year. Mets, yet again, Penguins look like they get a little something going out of the gate in Game 1 following the All-Star break, only to sap their own momentum on the road. Very disappointing stuff, Tim, the way that they have come out of the break. And to your point, they they were so impressive against the Winnipeg Jets last Tuesday, a 3-0 win, one of their finest games of the season. Low event hockey, as Mike Sullivan called it. Goaltending was great, good defensively. The power play scored a couple, and then a couple of duds at Minnesota and Winnipeg. And the thing that just leaves you scratching your head is, in both of those games, had they been able to score a couple of goals, they may have had a different outcome, but they cannot score at this point. It's just uh, a crazy thing because that's the part of their game we thought that would work well, not the part where you get great goaltending and decent defensive play. You thought this team would be an offensive dynamo, and it's simply not been that. Yeah, and especially in the Minnesota game, it wasn't for a lack of chances. It's not like they're not creating. Correct. Um, they had a ton of opportunities, and if you look, i, I just been seeing this stat kind of touted over the last week. But they are essentially leading the league in largest uh, difference between expected goal total and actual goals in games, which is not what you want to see happen because it speaks to the fact that you just don't have enough guys capable of finishing. And yeah, the power play could kind of shield some of that for you if it was producing. But right now, they they just don't have enough guys behind Sidney Crosby's line that are chipping in and, and finishing. So those guys might produce shots on goal and create those opportunities, but it's kind of why I think over the years we've we've said that analytics isn't a be-all end-all in terms of saying how a team is performing because in the Penguins case yeah they may be doing pretty well in a lot of the the coursey statistics in terms of generating shot attempts and um, you know expected goal totals etc but they are just not getting the results on the ice not putting pucks in the net and we got to mention in the Minnesota game Marc-Andre Fleury just played out of his mind specifically in the third period just a lot of really quality saves from from the flower on his night of recognition in minnesota which i need to mention as well the minnesota wild did a really nice job with that entire thing from the video having his children involved uh the recognition that led up to it penguins were part of it giving him the painting from Sidney crosby and company i thought that was nice and he went out and rewarded them by shutting them down are we sure he's retiring though 
No, we are not. That's why I think this is all funny. Now, at least the Minnesota Wild were just recognizing the fact that he was playing in his 1,000th game as a goaltender, not just dressing, actually you know, playing in a 1,000th game and his total of taking over the number two spot in NHL history in terms of wins. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a ride off into the sunset so much as a recognition of that. Unfortunately, most of the writers in this city had, had labeled it as maybe the last time we see Marc-Andre Fleury. And as you and I talked about, Tim, whenever the Wild came to Pittsburgh, I'm kind of like over that because this is two or three seasons of this might be the last time we see Marc-Andre Fleury. And it hasn't. If he goes to a contender, which they talk about him being one of the hottest commodities at this trade deadline, he goes to a contender, maybe makes a run at a Stanley Cup. Maybe they like what they see. He could do the the old man move of just being a very quality backup goaltender for a number of teams for many, many more years. I mean, he could play two, three, four more years based on his conditioning, his health, and the way he's performing this year. I think he's looked pretty pretty uh, good in, in the goal in the games that I've watched him play this season. Yeah, his flexibility, his acrobatics, the fact that he remains that nimble and, and that agile at this age is, is something else. And it kind of makes you lament the the decisions that were made years ago. I mean, I, I fully agreed with it at the time, and I'm not going to re- revise history. I know that they thought they had something special in Matt Murray, and I know why they did what they did. But boy, when you look at how things have played out, if you had hindsight, I think they wish they would have just kept Marc-Andre Fleury and potentially had the flower and Tristan Jari, the heir apparent. The two of them being a tandem in goal would be pretty unique to see where this team would be if they had those over the last couple of years, specifically based on the playoff failures that you could tie a little bit to to uh, goaltending over those last few years when they did make it. Ryan Metzer with us, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Thank you. Wave is no trade clause. Does he only want to go somewhere that would allow him to be the number one? I don't know that that even comes into it, Tim, at this point. I think for him, he would love to just be that guy to go in and have a chance to help a team win a Stanley Cup. Yes, of course he wants to start. But if he goes to some of the teams that are being speculated, uh, some would give him the chance to start while others would make him more of a backup. If he goes to the Edmonton Oilers, for example, where he has been rumored a couple of different times, I would assume it would be uh, you know, a little bit of a, a secondary role to Stuart Skinner, who's been pretty darn good this season. If he goes to someone like Carolina, who has had goaltending issues and injuries and guys not performing, uh, maybe you know you see him get a chance to start if he was on that particular team. So I think he would do anything. I mean, he's a pretty agreeable guy. If he's going to waive, I think it's more a matter of going to a contender with a chance to win another cup more than being guaranteed a starting role. Back to the Pens and their difficulties. Like you talked about the whole Corsi thing, the expected goals thing versus the Penguins' you know ability to score and actually finish off chances. I don't know if it's so much an indictment, Mets, of the Corsi analytics as it is an indictment of our perception of who they still are as a goal-scoring team. I mean, I almost get the feeling that the, the numbers are right about what the expected goal totals are and the Penguins' inability to finish sort of belies what their reputation is beyond Sidney Crosby's line because, like, and, and I'm tired of just putting it on the third liners. I mean, this is to me, more of a Malkin, Raquel, what Riley Smith isn't problem. You're, you're exactly right, Tim. And, and truth be told, Drew O'Connor's gotten a good bit of top six time playing on, on the number two line. He's not producing. 
I think that he showed some signs that made them think he would be a more productive player. But Ricard Raquel not living up to the contract that Ron Hextall gave him is killing them right now. Riley Smith is killing them right now. Uh, so you have guys that were pedigreed top six forwards that are not producing. And there truthfully are nights, too, where you're maybe not getting enough from anybody not named Sid. I mean, even Jake occasionally goes into a little bit of a swoon here. So it's it's you know, a damning spot because these are guys that we, we think of as being offensive juggernauts and they've not, they've not been able to live up to it. So you're right. I don't know that it, it damns that stat so much as, as the players involved in which, you know, that's why I mentioned that I think it puts a big spotlight on the fact that the Penguins have a glut of players that aren't able to finish right now. And that's up and down the lineup. And you can include the blue liners a little bit too, because they don't get enough blue line uh, goal scoring, which, you know, that's always been a little bit of a bugaboo uh, in years where they've not been as good, where they don't get as much productivity from that spot. But the the fact that you're really just looking at a handful of guys that are scoring all the goals is not a spot that you want to be in because you're usually going to lose an awful lot more than you win if, if you just you can't score. I mean, they've allowed – this is the mind-blowing thing, Tim. They've allowed, what, the third least goals in the National Hockey League this year. If you heard that stat, you would never believe that the Penguins wouldn't be in a playoff spot right now. I mean, they're they're sitting there allowing 2.63 goals a game. That's a really nice spot to be in. They've allowed 129 goals, but if you look at the goals for, they're not even at three, which is just mind-blowing for any Pittsburgh Penguins team. Go back 40, 50 years. The Penguins always could score. I mean, since the days of uh, even before Mario. But once Mario got here, they've always been known as a team that weren't very good defensively. They play run and gun, and they would score goals. 2.9 goals a game is not going to get it done down the stretch against some of these teams, even if they are playing well defensively. Meanwhile, everybody in the Metro won last night. Of course they did. And the Penguins, again, with a couple nights off, uh, you know, they can try and hang their hat on the thing that we've been talking about, which, hey, games in hand, games in hand. Well, you burned a couple of those. Now you only have one game in hand on the Caps ahead of them. You only have three in hand on the Islanders ahead of them, three on the Devils, uh, and the or that's the points I'm looking at. My bad. That's the wrong number, Tim. 49 games for the Penguins, 51 for Washington, 52 for the Islanders, so just a handful of games in hand there, 51 for the Devils, and uh, the Flyers, you still have a decent amount of games in hand, but they have pulled 11 points ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So 11 points on February 13th. This isn't 2009, Tim. I don't know that we're going to see them go on the kind of run they did that year when they changed coaches and Dan Bilesma, you know, led them on that crazy run that essentially went through June in a Stanley Cup championship. This isn't that group. And I think based on where they are now, I mean, even suggesting that they are going to make sure to get themselves into a playoff spot is a tough nut to crack. I don't know that that's going to happen. And the Panthers are hot right now, too. They are. And it's a, a team that loves to come in and beat the Penguins up. You don't want to. You don't really want to go and, and have them come in and play that physical style. Maybe the Penguins fold the tents before the night is over if they get that sort of performance. But they're six two and two in their last ten. Winners of two in a row. Uh, they're sitting there at seventy points overall, which is third best in the Eastern Conference. They're starting to look like the Panthers that you know they have been over the last couple of seasons. Plus thirty six goal differential as well, Tim, and their road record. Not too shabby. 17-7-2. Yeah. They were 19-12-2 at Christmas. They're 33-15-4 now. Talk about turning it on, right? And and I think some of these teams, maybe they're kind of mirroring their, their cross-state rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
because I can't think of how many years people are like, oh, this is the year of the swoon for Tampa. They may not even make the playoffs. And then lo and behold, somehow they turn it on and they still are a formidable opponent down the stretch and into the playoffs. So right now they're third in that division, nine points behind Florida. But I'm not writing those guys off either because both teams will certainly have something to say in the Eastern Conference. But the Florida Panthers have a foul taste in their mouth from not getting over the hump and winning the Stanley Cup when they got that opportunity. Matthew Kachuk played with what the broken sternum, essentially, and uh, wasn't himself. If they can get to that point again with a fairly healthy team and Bobrovsky and Net and everything that they offer, plus I'm sure that they will add before the trade deadline. They're that kind of, uh, of team now. They are going to be a really tough foe, and it starts on Valentine's Day in Pittsburgh where the Panthers will come in looking to break lots of hearts on Check Your Heart Night. And, of course, on Sunday, it's Yarmir Yager Recognition Night, Mets. You guys are going to be a part of that big time for the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, tell me about the plans there. You guys going on early and carrying the whole thing? Yeah, I don't know the for sure, for sure start time, but I believe it's 4 p.m. And uh, Paul Steigerwald's emceeing the event down on the ice. So I will be doing the pregame show that night from, I think, 4 p.m. We'll have about 15 minutes of talk about Yager and Penguins, etc. Then we will be going to the event live, from what I understand, and kind of commenting on what we see in here, because we'll be up on press row, if I'm not mistaken, so that it won't be the normal spot down in the Ford Lounge. That'll give us the opportunity to kind of take in the, the event, talk about the event, and then once it wraps up, we'll have probably a closing 15, 20-minute of a true post uh, pregame to lead us up to the drop of the puck against the uh, LA Kings which the faceoff is slated for 6 p.m. And for what I understand, or from what I understand, the Penguins have things planned in such a way that the start of the game shouldn't be impacted, but they are telling fans to be in their seats by, you know, 4, 4.15 at the latest, because I think that begins around 4.15 or 4.17. Mets, thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. We look forward to all of that, and it's going to be a fun night at PPG Paints Arena there haven't been a ton of those this year. Who knows how it'll go on Wednesday. Let's see how it goes for Yager Retirement Day. And uh, let's see all who shows up. I know Scotty Bowman at 90-plus years is going to be there. Do we have confirmation on Mario yet? No confirm on Mario, but I think, you know, some of the names I've heard, you're going to see, um, you know, Kevin Stevens will be here, obviously. Phil Bork, of course, because he's here. I've heard, uh, I saw a couple of tweets that lead me to believe Matthew Barnaby could be in the house. He said he would be, he, he cryptically tweeted that he would be in Pittsburgh later this week. So I assume that's what he was referring to. Uh, and he liked to tweet whenever I responded and said, does that mean you're coming to the JJ event? He didn't confirm, but he liked. So I'm sure that means he'll be here. They have a cavalcade of superstars from that era coming into town. I talked to Cindy Himes a, a couple times when we tend to arrive at the game in and around the same time. And we rode up the elevator together. She deals with a lot of the Penguins alumni and she has been working tirelessly for weeks and weeks to get everybody in. And I think she has some supply, uh, surprises up her sleeve. And uh, one of the cool things is I believe they will have a member of the Yager Billet family when he came to Pittsburgh that he stayed with in that first season. So uh, they'll be here to tell stories about the time uh, that Yager spent with them. And I know I have a cool, couple cool stories because a guy I went to high school with, Tim Rick Nemec in Pittsburgh, he uh, is the the nephew of those people. And he used to come in and regale us with tales of Yags when we were, um, you know, pretty much going through our formative years at Central Catholic High School. And he'd bring autograph sticks, etc. And tell us about playing Nintendo with Yarmir Yager. 
Awesome Mets. Look forward to it. We'll be listening. I appreciate it, my friend, and I am looking forward to this whole week. It's going to be fun with Valentine's against Florida, Chicago, maybe with Connor Bedard. Who knows? He he could be in the saddle, and then the Kings and Yager. So it should be a good week. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network.